We're so glad that you've tuned in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Nick Allen, and I'm our Rolling Hills Nashville campus pastor. Today, we're launching a new series, Jesus, Life-Changing Conversations, where we'll be looking at several important conversations that Jesus had during his life and exploring how those hold the power to change lives still today. Now, here's Jeff. Conversations, uh, we have them every day. And some are fast and they're passing, and then some, they linger. And they stay in that moment. You know, women speak about 20,000 words a day. Men speak about 7,000 words. You ask a guy how he's doing and you get fine. You know, so you ask a woman and you hear about the whole day, right? But it's really not about the amount of words that people say. It's really the conversation. And that's what we're looking for. We want to be heard. We want to be known. And yet, so many of our conversations are about trivial things. We talk about the weather. We talk about sports. And, and it's okay. But at some point, we want to go deeper. We want to go further. I talked with a mom in our church recently, and she said her adult son and his buddies were going out, and they said, hey, mom, come with us. She said, I'd love to go as long as we talk about something that's not shallow. As long as we can kind of talk about what's going on in your life. We've all been there. We all want that. I think in these times of isolation, we all look for community. We look for relationship. And as you think about the conversation in your life, there's some conversations that have been life-changing, right? Maybe you can think about a conversation you had with a parent or a grandparent, and it stuck with you. Maybe you can think about a conversation you had with a coach or a mentor, and it changed the direction of your life. Maybe you can think about a conversation you had with somebody you were dating, and, and now you're married. <laughs> and you look back to that conversation, and you said, I knew they were the one. Maybe you had a conversation with a pastor or a friend and God stepped in and God met you right there. The depth of the conversation reveals the depth of the relationship. You ever thought about that? The depth of the conversation reveals the depth of the relationship. You know, Jesus was the master at this, right? I mean, Jesus met people where they were but he didn't leave them there. Jesus moved to the heart and he had life impacting conversations. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you're here today and we're starting a brand new series. So welcome to everybody here at Franklin or Nolensville, Nashville, or if you're watching online, we're starting our Easter series today and I'm so excited. I love Easter, you know, and so we're gonna be talking about these life-changing conversations, these conversations that Jesus had with people in the Bible that Jesus wants to have with you and with me, we're gonna challenge one another over these next 30 days or so to, to really have some life-impacting conversations, to kind of push past the superficial and say, hey, I wanna talk to you, I wanna, I wanna know you, I wanna care about you. Uh, we have some conversation starters to help you, so if you're here at campus, I'd love for you to grab some of these, or if you're online, you can find them on our website, but just to help you in your marriage, to help you with your kids, you know, and as we talk with our families, you talk with your roommates, the people around you about these conversations. And let's go deeper in those conversations. Let's push past the superficial and really engage in what God wants to teach us and how we can share God's love with others. So if you have a Bible with you today, I want you to see the first of our conversations. We'll be looking at five all the way to Easter, but we're gonna look today at a conversation that Jesus had with a man, and I think we can all identify with this one, okay? So if you have a Bible, open with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. 
Mark's New Testament, so you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the first three gospels are called the synoptic gospels, right? You got Matthew, Mark, Luke right there, and then John is the fourth one. And, and so you see the gospels in all four of these, right? Even from the synoptics to John, they all talk about Jesus. And they're all talking about his life and his ministry. And we're gonna see a story that's recorded in these first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we're gonna see the story, I hope and pray, come to life for us. So Mark chapter 10, if you're online, go to YouVersion or find a Rolling Hills app and you can see the scriptures there. Verse 17, it says this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. So Jesus is walking around and here comes a guy and he runs up to him and he falls on his knees right there in front of Jesus. Now we know from Matthew and Luke's account as well that this guy is called the rich young ruler. All right, I mean, that's kind of his title, right? He was rich, he was wealthy, he was young, he was hip, right, you know? But he was also a ruler. Now, we're not sure if he was a synagogue ruler. That's most likely the case. The Jews had kind of synagogues in all the major cities. That would be places where they would go to worship. They would have Shabbat, right? Sabbath worship would be there at the synagogue. But it was also a place that was used throughout the week. Uh, The Jewish kids would go to school there, right? They would have weddings and funerals. It was the cultural center for for the Jewish people. And so this guy may have been the ruler of that, the synagogue ruler, which was a big deal back then, or he may have been a mayor or governor of a different town. But we know that this guy had prestige and he runs up, he falls on his knees before Jesus and he says, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a great question, right? I mean, we all want to know that question, right? He's like, man, I'm looking at this. I'm realizing there is more to this life. I want eternal life. How do I get eternal life? Do you realize that every civilization that's ever existed has had some form of worship? Why? Because we all know there is more to this life than just these 60, 70, 80, 90 years I have on this earth. There is more to come. And this guy's figuring out at a young age, he's like, hey, wait a minute, there's more. I may only have back then, you know, 30, 40, 50 years on this earth. I want to know about eternal life. Jesus, red letters right here. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. So Jesus sets the stage right here. He's like, are you coming to me as God? Are you coming to me as the Messiah? Do you understand who I am? You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. So Jesus goes back to the 10 commandments. He goes back to Exodus chapter 20. He says, hey man, you know, here you are. You grew up in the Jewish faith. You know the Old Testament. You know the laws. You know the commandments. Have you kept the commandments? And look at this guy's answer. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. And Jesus knew right there, huh, you're missing it. He's like, oh, no, no, I'm perfect, man. I've done all that. I've kept them all, all right? Nobody has. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. And Jesus even said earlier, right? Maybe you haven't committed murder physically, but if you've hated somebody in your heart, your mind, mm, you committed murder. Maybe you haven't committed adultery, right, physically, but man, if you've lusted after somebody in your mind, your heart, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jesus looked at him and loved him. And here's where Jesus goes for the heart. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Whoa. 
Now, this is the only time in scripture where Jesus says that to somebody. The only place where he says, but you know what Jesus was doing? He was looking at this man's heart. And he was saying, you value money, you value success more than you value God. And who is on the throne of your heart? It is money and right there, hey, just go sell it all and follow me, trust me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, there's some rich people in the Bible, okay? I mean, there's Abraham, there's David, right? And I mean, these were known as men after God's heart. I mean, these are godly men, but, but somehow in their wealth, they kept God on the throne of their heart. But there were some people, Joseph of Arimathea and others. But the disciples, they were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, you got this camel, is it gonna go through the eye of a needle? No way, it's not gonna happen. And the disciples are looking at him like, what do we do, right? The disciples were even more amazed and they said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and he said, and if you underline your Bible, man, underline this, this is so powerful right here. With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Woo, praise God right there. All things are possible with God. God. Then Peter spoke up. We've left everything to follow you. And Peter did, right? Peter and Andrew, remember these guys were businessmen, you know, and they were brothers and they had a fishing business. James and John had a fishing business. And these guys had left it all when Jesus came by and said, hey, come follow me. And they're like, all right, here we go. Dad, take over the business. We're following Jesus. Here we go. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied. And look at this. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel, the gospel, the good news, right? Will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. And for some of you, you've been following Jesus for a long time and you kind of look at your life and you go, wow, God has blessed me. <laughs> I mean, look where I am. God has provided for me. God has taken care of me. I have so much. He says, homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields, along with persecutions, he says, just want you to know, right? It's not just prosperity gospel here, guys. You're gonna face some challenges. You're gonna face some difficulties. You're gonna go through some hard times. You live in a broken, fallen world, but I will take care of you. I will provide for you in this present age and in the age to come, eternal life. He's like, I am eternal life. Follow me, trust me, hold on to me. But many who are first will be last, right? The synagogue leaders, the religious back then who thought it was all about religion, and the last will be first, you guys, right? The disciples who follow Jesus. Woo. Man, I think Jesus has a lot to say to us because of what he's saying to this guy. So if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. If you're at one of our campuses, hey, pull out your worship guide. If you're online, go to the Rolling Hills app. But here's some things I want us to get today as we have this conversation with Jesus. First of all is this. This world can never satisfy. This world can never satisfy. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Notice that. This guy is desperate, man. This guy is coming to Jesus. This man had everything the world desires. He's rich. He's young. He's a ruler, right? I mean, this guy's got bank. He is young. Everybody wants to be young today, right? Everybody that youth. 
And right, everybody wants to rule the world. You know, you, you see this. I mean, this guy, people think money's gonna solve other problems. People spend billions of dollars trying to look younger on plastic surgeries or whatever, right? And people want the influence. So you've got income, you got image, and you got influence. This guy was a first century influencer. That's what he was, right? I mean, like this guy would have been on Instagram. He would have been blowing it up. Everybody had been following him. This guy had everything, right, the world had to offer back then and what everybody wants even today. This man had what everybody wants and yet he desperately runs to Jesus. Do you notice that? I mean, he's got all this success. He's got all the things. I'm sure the disciples are like, this guy's cool, man. Like, look at, look at this Jesus, like, back off. You know, like, get him in our team. I mean, this guy's got it going on and right there. But this guy runs to Jesus. Now, back then, you didn't run, especially if you were a man, right? Because you had to pull up your man dress. You know, you had your robe on, right? You, you pulled it up, and it was over your knees. It was embarrassing, right? You, you just didn't run. You were, you were cooler than that. You, you walked, and you walked slow, and... People noticed you. This guy doesn't care. This guy knows, man, my life's empty. I'm missing something big, and I'm going to Jesus. And he runs and he falls on his knees to Jesus, to Jesus. You know what's interesting? If you look back through history, right? Alexander the Great conquered the world, and then he cried because there was no more kingdoms to conquer. He died at 32. What do you do with that, right? Solomon, Solomon, the wealthiest man that ever lived, the wealthiest man that ever lived, Solomon. He had it all. He had all the pleasure. He said, I, I did it all. And then he gets to Ecclesiastes and he says, meaningless, meaningless. It's vanity. It's a chasing after the wind. And he comes to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes and he says, guys, here's the conclusion of it all. Fear God and keep his commands because I went after everything the world has to offer. And if you know Solomon's story, man, he did. I mean, like 700 wives, 300 concubines. I mean, he's like, what in the world, dude? I'm like, but he did, and he gets to the end of his life, and he goes, man, I missed it. And this guy at least is wise enough to say, I need more, I'm going to Jesus. Hey, many people today trade following Jesus for money and worldly success. I think it's the biggest challenge, right? There's Jesus inviting them, there's Jesus going, man, come on, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna take care of you, I'm gonna provide you, they're like, I don't know. And go after the world and worldly success. So here's what Jesus says, right? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And isn't that so true? We store up these treasures, we buy these things, we think, oh man, I'm gonna buy this, it's gonna satisfy. And then like three weeks later, we're done with that, we're on to the next thing, right? And now there's a new sale and it's like, that was in style, now it's out of style, right? What does TikTok say, you know, whatever, you know? It's like, we kind of move on because man, it just kind of goes away but Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Moss and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And then here's the key. For where your treasure is, your heart will be awesome. It's like, it's okay. I'm blessing you. I'm giving you money. I'm giving you wealth. I'm giving you success. I'm giving you. But, but, but listen, don't let that become your God. Don't let that take the throne of your heart. Don't run after that and think that that's going to satisfy because it won't. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also What's on the throne of your heart? What's on the throne of your life? What are you most passionate about? Look at this one. We can never attain eternal life on our own. We can never attain eternal life on our own. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Notice this, what must I do? Okay, here's two problems with the rich young ruler's question. I and do. 
See, this guy was successful. This guy had worked hard. I mean, he made a big job like at an early age, right? And he, he's thinking, man, I can do eternal life. I'll do it. I'll take it. I'll tackle it. I'll make it happen. I can do it. <laughs> but you can't. It's not something we do. I can't. But God can. <laughs> we can never be good enough on our own. We can never be good enough on our own. And that's what Jesus was leading this man to. He's like, listen, you think you've kept all the commandments? You think you've been really good? You think that God's gonna accept you because, man, you're good, outweighs your bad, and man, wow, you are super good. Well, who are you comparing yourself to? We always go to the lowest common denominator, right? We're like, oh, I haven't murdered anybody, you know, so I'm pretty good, you know? It's like, well, compare yourself to Jesus. Uh, that's the perfection. That's, he's like, you can keep it all, you can be perfect, and we all realize, man, I'm never gonna be perfect. I'm never gonna be good enough. I can't earn it. Holy God, sinful me. I need help, I need hope because I can't be good enough. Jesus was leading this man to repentance before salvation. He's leading this man to repentance. See, there's bad news before there's good news, okay? And the gospel is good news. I mean, it's great news. It's the best news ever. But there is some bad news and it's this, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's not probably a newsflash for any of us. We can think back over our lives. We can think back all the things. Or we can think back this morning. Sometimes we're like, oh, why did I think that? Why did I do that? But, but we have this call to repentance. Repentance means I'm going one direction. I turn back around. I come to God. Right? I have my sin. I turn back around. I come to God as my Savior. A, a lot of times parents will ask me, they'll ask me, Jeff, you know, they say, Pastor Jeff, I mean, my, my kids, right? They're five, six, seven, or eight years old. And how do I know they're ready? They're starting to talk about baptism. They're starting to talk about salvation. It's so exciting. And I'm always like, man, embrace that moment. This is awesome. And I say two things. I say, one, take them to the, to the kids' baptism class. I mean, it's awesome here at our church. I took all three of my kids through the baptism class. We had a work, but it was amazing. And just to go through that with them was powerful. Or take them to the student class. We have adult classes for baptism. Come, just get information, find out. And I said, two, start listening. And when your child gets to a point where they do something wrong and then they feel bad about it, but it's not just, hey, I got caught kind of wrong. It's like, oh no, wait a minute. That was wrong. And I hurt my parents' feelings. I even hurt God's feelings. Then, then you start to see there's repentance. There's sorry. There's something deeper that's going on in their hearts. And you go, those are those moments you start to step into. Those are those moments that you come into. That's what Jesus was doing with this man. He's leading him from repentance before salvation. See, it's not about what I do, but about what he's done. Woo, that's good right there. Okay, guys, <laughs> just like star that in your notes, okay? It's not about what I do, but about what he's done because Jesus paid it all. Jesus went to the cross. He took on your sins. He took on my sins. Man, we're leading up to Good Friday and we're gonna celebrate on Easter Sunday the resurrection, but don't skip over Good Friday because he's done it all. He paid the price for your sins, for my sins. He took it all on him on that cross. And you always remember the grace that we receive in God. Look at this one. Jesus loves all people. I gotta tell you, this was one of my favorite verses right here. We're looking through this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at this man as he runs up to him and he just, he just loves him. He's like, I want you to succeed. I want you to get this. I want you to know this. I want you to understand See, many people think that God is disappointed in them. That's what a lot of people think. And they think, man, I'm scared to get too close to God because I think he's just mad at me because of all the things I've done in the past. I think he's really mad and disappointed. What we also do, what we also do is this, is we project our earthly father onto God. 
Uh, my wife, Lisa, who is amazing, I love her so much. She is just so awesome. But, but she really struggled with her dad. Her dad never told her that he loved her. And it's hard. I mean, she carries that. Hey, listen, men in the room, say it. And say it often. Your kids, your grandkids, your spouse, anybody. Listen, it matters. But, but Lisa always thought her dad was disappointed in her. And he wasn't. I mean, he was like proud of her. But, but, but he never said that. And sometimes we can take those emotions and maybe some of you here, you didn't have a great earthly father and I'm sorry. I really am. But don't project that onto God because God loves you. God's not disappointed in you. He's not. He looks at you and he loves you. Listen, on the contrary, Jesus loves you. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants the best for you. He created you. He loves you more than you even love yourself. That's the kind of God that we serve. See, the gift of salvation is available through Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest no man should boast. It's the gift of God. It's salvation and repentance leads us to that salvation. We recognize our own sin and we recognize our need for grace. We recognize our need for salvation. But just like any gift, I could say, hey, I got a gift for you, man. Just come on by. I'm gonna give you this gift. Well, you never show up, right? I still have the gift. <laughs> the gift's yours. Come get it. Come receive it. Come take it. Have you received the gift? God of all grace offering to you his son. Jesus looked at them and he said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. All things are possible with God. Salvation is possible with God. The grace of God, the grace of God. Never forget that. The sovereignty of God. It's not what you do, it's what he's done. Hey, there is a cost to follow Jesus. And I don't want you to miss that in here. There is a cost to follow Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Wow. Salvation is free, but there is a cost to follow Jesus. Call it the cost of discipleship, right? And you call it the cost of sanctification. This working out our salvation with fear and trembling. The root shows the fruit. Right, and if my life is rooted in Christ, then the fruit of my life is gonna be following Christ. If my life is rooted in the world, then the fruit of my life is gonna be the things of this world, right? And so, am I rooted in Christ? Is that showing in my life? Jesus loved this man, but Jesus didn't back off the call to commitment. He didn't watch the guy walk away and go, hey, just kidding, just kidding, just come on. You can live however you want to. You can do whatever you want. It's fine, no big deal, you know, and I'm gonna go this way. He didn't back right. He didn't say, oh, wait, it's just 10%. You know, I'm sure the guy would go, well, that's a good deal, right? You know I mean? But he didn't. He didn't go, it's just, just 10%. It's just a tide. Just follow me. Like, he didn't back off the call to commitment because he knew what was on the throne of this man's heart. He knew what was on the throne of this man's life. Sometimes, listen, sometimes we can value stuff and status more than Jesus and people. Anybody there, right? Sometimes we can value stuff and status more than Jesus and people. And it's a danger today. It's a struggle today. You know, this story is recorded in Luke, and it's in Luke 18, and one chapter over in Luke 19, Jesus is walking along, 
And there's another guy who comes up to him. But this guy is a tax collector. His name is Zacchaeus. And tax collectors back then were hated. Everybody hated tax collectors, right? Even the Bible, it says there's sinners and there's tax collectors. I mean, these are like the lowest level because they were sellouts, okay? The Romans occupied the land. And so these are Jewish people who go to the Romans and say, hey, we'll collect taxes. And the Romans go, we'll give you protection and anything you collect over, you get to keep. So they're collecting taxes from their own people, right? And then they're getting wealthy and they got the Romans to back them up. So everybody hated the tax collectors. Well, Zacchaeus climbs up in a tree because he's short. Jesus walks by, Jesus looks up and says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm gonna go to your house today. Everybody's like, you're doing what? That guy's like lower than a sinner, right? What are you doing? But Jesus goes over, he sits down, has lunch with Zacchaeus, has this conversation. And Zacchaeus at the end of the meal says this, I'm giving half of what I have to the poor and anybody I've wronged, I'm paying them back four times. It was like this repentance. I, I've wronged people. I've done it wrong. I've messed up. I'm gonna pay them back four times. I'm gonna do something about that, right? And, and Jesus meets him in that moment. And he says, today salvation's come to this house. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And all of a sudden, this moment for Zacchaeus to realize, man, I want God to be on the throne of my life. God's blessed me. I've got money. I've got success. But, but I want the Lord Guys, I'll never forget 18 years ago when God called Lisa and I to, to plant Rolling Hills. And I had a great job. It was a really great job. I loved it. It was good. And I knew God was stirring in my heart. I had this thing called benefits, which was really awesome, called insurance, right? And that was a big deal, right? And so God's calling us to, to plant a church and to move a uh, ways away from where we were living. And, and I, I was like, let's go. Let's do it, you know? And Lisa, my wife, had more faith than I did. She's amazing. And so we're talking and we're praying. And then I met with my boss. My boss said this. He goes, well, Jeff, how are you going to support a family? And I go, well, I hadn't really thought about it, right? I, I just knew Jesus was calling. And, and so I went home and I had to wrestle. Honestly, I, I had to wrestle with God. And we determined I'll live off Lisa's salary for a year, two years, three years, whatever it takes, you know? And, but, but we're going to trust and God's done immeasurably more. God's taken care of us. It's been unbelievable. I, mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything, just following him. But I have thought, what if recently? See, back then I didn't have kids. Today I have three kids. And what if that call came today, right? I want you to go be a missionary and wherever and, you know, just go. And I've always thought, okay, God, what would I say? Would I say again, sure, here, let's go? Or would I say, hold on, you know, what about benefits, right? What about insurance? What about, what about these things? And what can happen so easily, so easily for all of us, right? We begin to put our faith and our trust and money to provide for our kids or, or provide for our lives. We just easily drift over instead of saying, no, God, I'm gonna trust you. Everything I have comes from you anyway. And God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust you with my life. See, I think that's why it's a struggle for a lot of people to tithe, right? I mean, honestly, we want our kids to have really good things. We want them all to have all this stuff and things. And so we're like, God, you've given me 90%, but, but this 10%, God, I don't know, you know? I mean, I want them to have all this and I wanna have all this. And, and we have to stop at some point and say, wait a minute, am I investing my life in stuff and status or in Jesus and people? In my life, am I looking more like a rich young ruler or am I looking more like a disciple? Because see, the disciples were standing right there when all this stuff went down. And the disciples are thinking, hey, we've left everything. And yet these disciples, they got to see miracles. 
They got to watch God change the world. They got to be a part of something that just blew their minds and they wouldn't trade an ounce of it for what this guy had. But it's such a danger. And I pray in our lives that we're not raising up in our kids too, rich young rulers versus disciples to say, hey, trust the Lord, God will provide, you trust him. If God calls you to stand up or speak up, if God calls you to a Bible study, if God calls you on a mission trip, if God calls you to serve you, follow him. Because God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You, You cannot serve both God and money. And money's a blessing from the Lord, right? Money's not good or bad. It can be used to do a lot of good. And so when you have it, be grateful, but be generous and be kind, but don't let it rule your heart. Don't let it steal your joy. Hey, only in Jesus can you receive true fulfillment in this life and in the life to come. Only in Jesus. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad. Notice that. Because he had great wealth. The man knew the price and he wasn't willing to pay it. I mean, it's right there, right? It's right there and he's like walks away. Oh, this man went away sad because he knew none of the things of this world would satisfy. He's like, I've been over here. I've chased after all that. I've got all that and I'm desperate. But I'm not willing to pay the price. This past Friday, we launched a new podcast, our Men's Leadership Network. It's, it's, it's for men. It's, it's powerful. We interviewed Tim Burke. Uh, Tim was a baseball pitcher for the Montreal Expos, then for the New York Yankees, all-star. I mean, he did really well. And he's just sitting here telling his story. He goes, here I am at baseball. I've got money. You know, I'm good at what I do. I've got all these things and success. He said, but my life was empty. <laughs> it was alcohol. It was ambient to try to go to sleep at night. He said, my wife's wanting a divorce and I'm about to lose it all. And two guys on my baseball team invited me to a Bible study. Two guys invited me to come and I sat there and I heard about Jesus. And I sat there and I heard about hope and I heard about life and and I left that study and a couple months later, my wife and I got down on our knees right next to our bed and we prayed and committed our lives to Christ. And he says, man, I can't even tell you what God's done. It's been amazing, and here we are five kids later, and here we are with all these things that have happened, and here I am now, you know, a chaplain in the NHL and administrative guys all over. But I tell you, it's only the Lord. And he goes, there's been challenges. There's been struggles. I've been at rock bottom, man, I know, but I'm gonna tell you, I wouldn't trade an ounce of it for the Lord, for the Lord. Hey, don't walk away sad. Find your worth and your value in him because true fulfillment comes only in Jesus. Guys, eternal life begins now. Later on, eternal life begins when you become a Christ follower. You have eternal life, and the best is still to come. God's with you. He's going to take care of you. Hey, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And that's so true, isn't it? And you look around the world today, man, it is broad, it is wide. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few Find it. You know, several years ago, I heard a, I heard a pastor named John Piper, and he, he gave this sermon illustration. It's always just stuck with me. And as this pastor, he said, you know, this past week, I had two of kind of the saints in our church. They went home to be with the Lord. He said, these two women, one was 76, one was 80. 
He goes, everybody in the church loved them, man. They served, they were there on Sunday mornings, they were always smiling, everybody loved them. They, they helped out in local missions. They, they just served, they were so generous and kind and, and they were saints. He goes, they were amazing. And they went on a mission trip to Cameroon. One was a doctor, one was a nurse. They were helping patients there. And, and then their Jeep went off a cliff and they died. He goes, but I gotta tell you, that's not a tragedy. Oh no. They immediately went into the arms of Jesus. They immediately went home and heard, well done, good and faithful servant. He said, I'll tell you what is a tragedy. He said, I read in Reader's Digest about this couple who, they spent their days working really hard and kind of isolated themselves to make a lot of money so they could retire early. And they retired in their 50s. And they retired and they moved to Florida. And there in Florida, they would walk up and down the beach every day and collect seashells. And that was their life. And that's what the world called success. And he said, well, the real tragedy is gonna be one day when they stand before God and say, God, here's my seashell collection. This is what I did with my life. And God goes, I own all the oceans of the world. I created it all. That little seashell collection, you missed it. You missed it. You live for the wrong things and you thought it was satisfied. Don't miss it. Because guys, listen, one day we're all gonna stand before God. It doesn't matter if you've got zero dollars in your bank account or $50 million, it doesn't matter. What matters is what you've done with it. What matters is your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Has there been a time that you've said, man, I can't, and God says, good, because I can. And I will redeem you, restore you, and give you life, and give you joy in the journey and peace. And then when we say, God, everything I have is for you. God, use me to make a difference. Use me to serve. Use me to invite people to church or to Bible study that's gonna impact their lives. Use me to raise up godly kids who will seek after you. Use me with every breath I have to bring glory to your name. We have one shot at this life, guys. One shot. What will we do? What will we do? You know, I want you to think this morning about this. If you were to have a conversation with Jesus. This morning, right now, just Jesus is here, right? And he is. What would he say to you? As he looks at your heart, he looks at your life. Maybe he says, well done. Good job, you're living it. You're not perfect, it's okay, but I love you. Maybe he says, hey, you've been working hard, but it's been about you. Would you yield your life to me? Maybe today, God's speaking. You know, on your worship guide, there's a card that just says Jesus like this. If you're at one of our campuses or if you're watching online, you can go online. But it says on the back this, what do you need to lay down today to follow Jesus tomorrow? And maybe for you, it's, it's money, really. I mean, you've been laying it out, right? And, and it's just kind of stolen your joy. Maybe for you, it's image. You don't engage in conversations because you're always on your phone, all right? Social media just steals and you, you can't even have a relationship with your spouse or your kids because, man, you're just there scrolling all day. Social media is okay, but don't let it ruin your relationships. Maybe it's success. Maybe your job has really become your God. <laughs> Maybe it's fear. 
or worry, anxiety. Today, would you just maybe write it down or say, here it is. Jesus, I'm coming to you. I'm laying it down today. I'm gonna invite you to pray just for a moment. So Father God, here we are. God, we can identify with this rich young ruler and and Lord, we come today to have a conversation with you, Jesus. So meet us right now in this moment. Father, I pray today, maybe today's the day of salvation. Somebody here has just been trying to be good enough in their life and they always feel like you're disappointed in them, but God, you're not. And today they would receive that gift that you draw them to yourself. And today they would say, I wanna be a Christ follower, fully committed. Maybe today, God, we just kind of look at our hearts and go, man, there's other things that have come before you. Money, success, image, I don't know what it is, but, but today, God, would you allow us to confess that and to find our worth and our value in you? And maybe today, God, there's some conversations we need to have. You're putting people on our heart, reconnecting with our spouse or roommates, reconnecting with our kids. God, stir us this Easter season to be men and women after your heart, to follow you all the days of our life. That's where joy comes. That's where peace comes. That's where fulfillment comes. So Father, meet us in this moment and change us forever. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and stay up to date on what's happening and the ways that you can connect. We're thankful for you.